Hello, friends. It's December 3rd, and welcome to the One Year Bible Tour Guide. It's good to have you with us as we near the end of our trek through the entire landscape of the 66 books of the Bible. My name is David McAdam, your host, and we will be continuing our journey through the Old Testament book of Daniel today. In our Bibles, Daniel is included with the prophets and the group of the longer prophecies, uh, which are known as the major prophets. However, in the Hebrew Bible, it was originally included with the Kethuvim section, which is the section known as the writings, siding particularly with the historical writings, since it is focused on events that took place during the exile of the Jews in Babylon and Persia. In the last section of Daniel, there is more emphasis on the prophetic vision than the actual storyline. Unlike the other prophets, Daniel is not speaking to the nation of Israel, calling them to repent of their misdeeds. Yet his prophetic dream interpretations and visions give accurate predictive prophecy accounting for God's sovereign work in history. When the Hebrew Bible was translated into Greek in the 2nd century BC, in the version known as the Septuagint, Daniel was moved to the section of the Bible known as the Prophets, and because it is the shortest of the long prophecies, he is numbered as the last in the list of the major prophets. So let's pick up where we left off yesterday in our reading from the One Year Bible in the Old Testament book of Daniel, chapter 11, verse 2. And I'm reading from the ESV, the English Standard Version. And now I will show you the truth. Behold, three more kings shall arise in Persia, and a fourth shall be far richer than all of them. And when he has become strong through his riches, he shall stir up all against the kingdom of Greece. Then a mighty king shall arise, who shall rule with great dominion and do as he wills. And as soon as he has arisen, his kingdom shall be broken and divided toward the four winds of heaven, but not to his posterity, nor according to the authority with which he ruled, for his kingdom shall be plucked up and go to others besides these. Then the king of the south shall be strong, but one of his princes shall be stronger than he, and shall rule, and his authority shall be a great authority. After some years they shall make an alliance, and the daughter of the king of the south shall come to the king of the north to make an agreement. But she shall not retain the strength of her arm, and he and his arm shall not endure. But she shall be given up, and her attendants, he who fathered her, and he who supported her in those times. And from a branch from her roots one shall arise in his place. He shall come against the army, and enter the fortress of the king of the north, and he shall deal with them, and shall prevail. He shall also carry off to Egypt their gods, with their metal images and their precious vessels of silver and gold. And for some years he shall refrain from attacking the king of the north. Then the latter shall come into the realm of the king of the south, but shall return to his own land. His sons shall wage war, and assemble a multitude of great forces, which shall keep coming and overflow and pass through, and again shall carry the war as far as his fortress. Then the king of the south, moved with rage, shall come out and fight against the king of the north. And he shall raise a great multitude, but it shall be given into his hand. And when the multitude is taken away, his heart shall be exalted, and he shall cast down tens of thousands, but he shall not prevail. For the king of the north shall again raise a multitude, greater than the first. And after some years he shall come on with a great army and abundant supplies. 
In those times many shall rise against the king of the south, and the violent among your own people shall lift themselves up in order to fulfill the vision, but they shall fail. Then the king of the north shall come and throw up siege works and take a well-fortified city. And the forces of the south shall not stand, or even his best troops, for there shall be no strength to stand. But he who comes against him shall do as he wills, and none shall stand before him. And he shall stand in the glorious land, with destruction in his hand. He shall set his face to come with the strength of his whole kingdom, and he shall bring terms of an agreement and perform them. He shall give him the daughter of women to destroy the kingdom, but it shall not stand or be to his advantage. Afterward he shall turn his face to the coastlands and shall capture many of them. But a commander shall put an end to his insolence. Indeed, he shall turn his insolence back upon him. Then he shall turn his face back toward the fortresses of his own land. But he shall stumble and fall, and shall not be found. Then shall arise in his place one who shall send an exactor of tribute for the glory of the kingdom. But within a few days he shall be broken, neither in anger nor in battle. In his place shall arise a contemptible person to whom royal majesty has not been given. He shall come in without warning and obtain the kingdom by flatteries. Armies shall be utterly swept away before him and broken, even the prince of the covenant. And from the time that an alliance is made with him, he shall act deceitfully, and he shall become strong with a small people. Without warning, he shall come into the richest parts of the province, and he shall do what neither his fathers nor his father's fathers have done, scattering among them plunder, spoil, and goods. He shall devise plans against strongholds, but only for a time, and he shall stir up his power and his heart against the king of the south with a great army and the king of the south shall wage war with an exceedingly great and mighty army. But he shall not stand, for plots shall be devised against him. Even those who eat his food shall break him. His army shall be swept away, and many shall fall down slain. And as for the two kings, their hearts shall be bent on doing evil. They shall speak lies at the same table, but to no avail, for the end is yet to be at the time appointed." and he shall return to his land with great wealth. But his heart shall be set against the holy covenant, and he shall work his will and return to his own land. At the time appointed, he shall return and come into the south, but it shall not be this time as it was before. For ships of Kittim shall come against him, and he shall be afraid and withdraw, and shall turn back and be enraged and take action against the holy covenant." He shall turn back and pay attention to those who forsake the Holy Covenant. Forces from him shall appear and profane the temple and fortress, and shall take away the regular burnt offering, and they shall set up the abomination that makes desolate. He shall seduce with flattery those who violate the covenant, but the people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. And the wise among the people shall make many understand, though for some days they shall stumble by sword and flame, by captivity and plunder. When they stumble, they shall receive a little help, and many shall join themselves to them with flattery, and some of the wise shall stumble, so that they may be refined, purified, and made white, until the time of the end, for it still awaits the appointed time. 
And this concludes our reading from the Old Testament from the book of Daniel. Now let's take a few moments to recap and reflect upon what we have just read. Here is the revelation given to Daniel by the glorious being. Prophetic history is given from the Persian to the Greek Empire up to the reign of Antiochus Epiphanes. The accuracy of these prophecies will give courage to the Jewish people during the intertestamental period. Daniel is telling history ahead of time. In verses 1 through 9, we have a description of the world of Alexander the Great. No one in Daniel's day could have imagined that the disunited city-states of the Greek peninsula would produce a threat to the Persian Empire. But Daniel had prophetic knowledge. The Lord gave him a vision of Persia being conquered by Greece, with the image of the goat from the west attacking the ram. In the first year of Darius the Mede, I arose to be an encouragement and a protection for him. And now I will tell you the truth. Behold, three more kings are going to arise in Persia. Then a fourth will gain far more riches than all of them. As soon as he becomes strong through his riches, he will arouse the whole empire against the realm of Greece. Daniel chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. The first three kings to which the prophecy refers are Cambyses in 529 to 522 B.C., the son of Cyrus, perhaps the Ahasuerus of Ezra chapter 4, verse 6, Pseudo-Smerdi in 522 to 521 B.C., the Artaxerxes of Ezra, chapter 4, verses 7 through 23, and Darius Hystaspes in 521 to 486 B.C., the Darius of Ezra, chapter 4, verse 24. The fourth king who rouses the Persian Empire to attack the Greeks is Xerxes in 496 to 465 B.C., the Hazuerus of the Book of Esther. He tried to invade Greece in 480 B.C. and was defeated at Thermopylae and Salamis. The power of the Persian Empire would not be the same, even though it lasted for another century and a half. Xerxes was murdered by his vizier, Artabanus, in 469 B.C., who intended to be his successor. Artabanus, however, was subsequently murdered by Xerxes' son, Artaxerxes. Alexander the Great is the mighty king of Daniel chapter 11, verse 3. And a mighty king will arise, and he will rule with great authority and do as he pleases. In 332 B.C., Alexander defeated the Persians. In 323 B.C., when he was 32 years and 8 months old, he died. Scholars believe that he died of typhoid fever. Some believe he was poisoned. He reigned for only 12 years and 8 months. His half-brother, Philip Aridias succeeded him, but he was murdered along with his wife at the instigation of Alexander's mother, Olympias, six years later. A series of murders of family members follow, and within fifteen years of Alexander's death, not one member of Alexander's family remained alive. The prophecy in Daniel chapter 11 is accurately fulfilled. The kingdom of Greece is broken up and parceled to the four points of the compass, though not to his own descendants. Ptolemy took Egypt and became king of the south. Seleucus took Syria and became king of the north. Lysimachus took Asia Minor, and Antipater took Macedon and Greece. The battles between Syria and Egypt kept Israel in turmoil as it was caught in the middle. The history of this rivalry continues from Daniel chapter 11, verse 5 through verse 20. Prophecies about the evil Antiochus IV Epiphanes and Syria are found in Daniel chapter 11, verses 21 through 35. 
Epiphanes means manifestation of God, but Gabriel calls him a despicable person in Daniel chapter 9, verse 21. Antiochus will seize the kingship by intrigue. He will practice deception to make strategic alliances and gain power. The evil actions of Antiochus Epiphanes foreshadow the activities of the Antichrist in the last days. These prophecies are fulfilled in part by Antiochus, but Jesus made it clear that they were also to be fulfilled in the future. Long after the reign of Antiochus IV Epiphanes, Jesus refers to the abomination of desolation as an event that has yet to occur. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand, then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. Matthew chapter 24, verses 15 and 16. This abomination, in which the regular sacrifices in the Jerusalem temple are disrupted and the altar desecrated, accurately describes the activities of Antiochus IV Epiphanes, but they also point to the future Antichrist spoken of in the New Testament. He will demand people's worship in the last three and a half years of the tribulation period. Forces from him will arise, desecrate the sanctuary fortress, and do away with the regular sacrifice, and they will set up the abomination of desolation. By smooth words he will turn to godlessness those who act wickedly toward the covenant, but the people who know their God will display strength and take action. Daniel chapter 11, verses 31 and 32. The phrase, the people who know their God will display strength and take action, is an encouraging one for all of God's children to hear, especially at a time when evil is abounding. There is a place for spirit-wrought activism as we engage with our culture today. Now we must move on to the New Testament portion of our tour by going to the Apostle John's first epistle, chapter 3, verses 7 through 24. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and see his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God, and whatever we ask we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. 
and this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God, and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us, by the Spirit whom he has given us. And this concludes our reading from the first epistle of John in the New Testament. The Apostle John is countering the confusion caused by false teachers. Throughout his epistle, he is clarifying what it means to be right with God through faith in Christ. He is distinguishing authentic Christianity from pseudo-spirituality. The Gnostic teachers taught that you could live lawlessly with self at the center of your life and still be a Christ follower. John makes it clear that to be a Christian is not merely adopting a different point of view. Christianity is not a philosophy. It is a shared life in Christ. A Christian is one who has been born of God. A person who is born of God has a different relationship to sin than someone who has not been born of God. A person who is not saved, that is, made right with God through faith in Christ, cannot not sin because they are still in their sins. In John chapter 8, verse 21 and 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 17, they do not have the life, the faith, and the love that is born of God. John is saying the same thing that Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2. We are all born D-O-A, that is, dead on arrival. We are born dead in our trespasses and sins, and we walk according to the course of this world which is under the influence of the devil and under the wrath of God. A person who has been born of the Holy Spirit, however, has a new life and a new direction to practice righteousness, to love our brothers and sisters, and to love all people. Because true Christians are born of God, they are at odds with the world that is under the dominion of Satan. Therefore, we should not be surprised if the world hates us. 1 John chapter 3, verse 13. The antipathy between unbelievers and believers is illustrated by the relationship of Cain, who rose up to kill his brother Abel. Cain could only go in the way of sin because he was still in his sin through an evil heart of unbelief. Abel could walk with the witness of the Spirit that he was declared righteous through his faith in God's promise. The world loves those who own its lies. The world wars against the light of God's truth. John is teaching what Jesus taught him many years earlier in the Upper Room Discourse in John chapter 15, verses 18 and 19. If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. Now let's go to our next stop in our Bible reading tour, the book of Psalms, and reading Psalm 122 today is Peter Healy. Psalm 122. I was glad when they said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. There thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, Peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, 
I will seek your good. Thank you, Peter. Having just read Daniel chapter 11, and having read previously Jeremiah and Ezekiel, we can appreciate the command to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. God's covenant promises to Jerusalem are to be fulfilled. Pray that the city of peace, Jerusalem, will receive the Prince of Peace. I was glad when they said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Psalm 122, verses 1 and 2. The psalmist recognizes that it is a privilege to stand in the place where so many of God's promises have been and will be fulfilled. But what a far greater privilege it is to stand in the person in whom all the promises of God are fulfilled, and are yea and amen. For the sake of God's purposes, we will seek Jerusalem's good. Psalm 122, verse 9. Now moving along to our final stop in our Bible reading tour today, we go to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 1. He who is often reproved, yet stiffens his neck, will suddenly be broken beyond healing. This is another warning of the dangers of stubbornness. A stiff neck is one that is unbending, even when offered correction. Beware of persisting stubbornly with your sin. Stay voluntarily humble and receive correction willingly, or it will one day be forced upon you. Now would you join me in prayer in the light of God's Word. Father, you declare the end from the beginning, and you know all things. All your ways are perfect and just. You are the architect of the ages and the king of all nations. You hold each of our lives in your hand. We recognize that we were once dead in our sins and captives in the kingdom of darkness. In your great love, you commanded that the light of the knowledge of your glory would shine into our hearts. Thank you for the revelation of your grace in the face of our Lord Jesus Christ. We can say, as those who have been made alive in him, Behold, what strange manner of exotic love is this, that we should be your children. Help us to walk worthy of this high and holy calling. In Jesus' name, amen. It really is thrilling to behold in God's word his overarching omniscience. Indeed, our God knows the end from the beginning, and we are so thankful for his perfect provision in Jesus Christ. I do pray that you have been encouraged by our reading through the scripture, and I hope you will join us tomorrow. If you have any questions or comments or prayer requests, we'd love to hear from you. You can write us at podcast at newlife.org. Also, as I mention each time, if you would like a written copy of our commentary on each day's reading of the One Year Bible, you can subscribe at our website, newlife.org. Many have found a written copy helpful, especially because there are illustrations, maps, and charts. So as we have been reminded to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, may all of us experience the shalom of God, the peace of the Prince of Peace established in our hearts. So may you experience his shalom today.